just let's just start off today. Thanks so much, you guys, uh, for for joining us. Um, why don't you guys talk a little bit about who you are and and what you do in the army? You guys are both active soldiers in in the U.S. Army. Um, we yeah. have Yosarian and Malcolm on the line, both contributing writers for Media Roots. So why don't we start with you, Malcolm? Okay. Well, uh, I'm a I'm an enlisted soldier uh, in my mid twenties. Um, stationed in Europe. Um, I haven't been deployed yet. Uh, I'm fairly new to the Army. I've been in about two years now. Um, basically, I'm a, I'm an Apache mechanic. I work on helicopters, uh, combat helicopters. Um, it's a somewhat rewarding job, you know, uh, given the circumstances, you know. Sometimes we do good work. Sometimes we do dumb stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we uh, we keep the pilots in the sky. You know, we take care of the birds and uh, faults come up. We uh, we take care of those. Um, in general, uh, I just uh, you know do what I'm told by uh, by PC. Which what does that stand for again? Uh, production control. Production control. Production control is the department that uh, basically runs maintenance, uh, tells us what's coming up, what needs to be done, and uh, we take care of any faults on the aircraft. Um, basically, um, yeah, for the last two years, that's what I've been doing. Okay, so you've been enlisted for two years. Right. And what about you, Yosarian? Um, I, uh, I fly the same helicopters. I usually like to make the joke that I, I break what he fixes. And, uh, <laughs> they're, they're more or less the magicians, and I go out and kind of destroy it. Um, no, but, uh, um, Yeah, no engine overtours. Exactly. Um, but, um... I joined in um, 2003, um, kind of always wanted to be a pilot, a uh, lot of military romantic, romanticization of that in my family, a lot of service since uh, World War I, um, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, 9-11 happened, I joined, uh, I got to be a pilot, and uh, went to flight school, came to Europe, um, and uh, went, went to one deployment. Um, now we're sitting here in a dwell period between two deployments. Um, and that's pretty much it. I, I've, I've been flying for about four and a half, five years now, and, and that's the end of that. I've been to Iraq one time. How long were you there? I was 13 months. Wow. So, so there's, there's guys that have deployed seven, eight, nine times now. So, I mean, I'm still a baby in terms of the overall experience of uh, career uh, active duty military. Up until uh, really recently, we had uh, we had guys from the Vietnam era, even. Yeah, we know. still we still have. In fact, we're losing one right now who flew in Vietnam, uh, Mr. Lausenheiser. And, oh, really? Uh, he's yeah. he's 62, and uh, oh, he joined back up after 9/11 as well, and uh, he's actually retiring for good now. But uh, I flew with him quite a, quite a few times in Iraq. Yeah, the pilots um, don't get beat up as bad as we do, so they have a longer dwell time around here. Wow. And Yosarian, what are you given to, I mean, you, you fly sometimes, I know that you've told me before, you're up in the air for, you know, a long time and, and you have really weird hours that you're, you're working and flying. Um, how do you deal with that? What do you, do you take a lot of Red Bull? <laughs> yeah, uh, Red, Red Bull, caffeine, uh, I guess sometimes you take turns sleeping. Um, that's rare. Uh, but generally, you know, we'll fly, uh, I would say average six hours per mission, um, the, the, the uh, there's round the clock operations going on, but the meat and potatoes of uh, you know real tactical stuff is going to be when it's dark out. So um, a lot of missions are emphasized at night, so it's just kind of tough on your circadian rhythm. Um, this has been the case in aviation since even World War II. Um, sure. So yeah, I mean caffeine and figuring out how to sleep during the day and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you uh, did you ever get to um take any pep pills as they call them that they sometimes give fighter pilots yeah they, i mean they certainly have stuff like that available um that is not preferred i mean that's going to become something that you do when you're in the initial phases of, of a conflict where uh there's real intense uh operations where you're constantly going past so what we have is uh actual legal limits to how long we can fly um so the battalion commander just has to uh, and the company commanders have to kind of manage their, their human asset such that they don't uh, put their equipment at risk, really, crashing aircraft and stuff, making them too tired. Um, but when you're in the initial phases of a heated conflict, you know, when you first went into Iraq and stuff or any of these other conflicts, 
um, a lot of that can get waived because of the, the urgency of what's going on, and that's when those pills that you hear about kind of are used more. Um, but in what we're doing now, which is a sustained operation, you know, we've been there, got, you know, got nice PXs and stuff in those posts over there. It's, yeah, not it's here, pretty, but yeah, yeah we've been there a while. It's actually pretty cozy when you're inside the wire. Um, uh, then, then really it's not very common to be pushing people quite as far as what we've all heard with those pills. Now, now, not to sidetrack us too much, but I remember hearing like seven years ago about a new pill the military was working on called modafinil that's supposed to allow a pilot or a soldier to stay up for 40, 40 hours with no side effects. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't heard about it. And uh, <laughs> I, I know how much you and, uh, and Abby actually know a lot about this stuff. You could almost run an apothecary. <laughs> Thank you. But no, I haven't heard about that one. Um, looking forward to, to seeing what it's all about, if it's safe, of course. Yeah. I've never heard of that myself either. Uh, I've been away for 40 hours before, and trust me, there was not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, look it up. It's very interesting. It's um, yeah, it's apparently all, all ready to go. That long without, a, without a side effect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine it, so that's why I was curious. So, guys, why don't we get started here? Um, why don't we start with just talking about how, you know, you guys joined the military. I'm sure that you weren't too, um, well, Yosarin, you said that you joined the military after 9-11. You had a, you know, your family, you have a big military history in your family. Um, how did you wake up to kind of what's going on in the military? What was, what was the catalyst to your political awakening? Well, Abby, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, uh. I never really did buy into the whole what I consider just a retarded system of, uh, you know, you, you do real good in school, so you can go to a college and get a job and, you know, work for some corporation. And we, Sounds and, like that John Mayer song. Yeah, and so, so that I can end up having, uh, you know, a nice retirement. And, and I never did, I mean, I came from a, a family of entrepreneurs and people who talked a lot about, uh, you know, what freedom's about, the Constitution, a lot of borderline libertarian-type-minded people who voted Republican and uh, believed that the Republican Party was more or less that way. And uh, so I kind of never really bought into stuff, but I definitely was well, was sucked right into to this fight after 9-11. And, and that's, you know, that's what... There was already a, romantic, a John Wayne romanticization of of what goes on in terms of joining the military. So that's kind of what led me to do it. When you say an awakening, I, I, I have to say that back in high school, middle school, I, I felt like I was awake, but look, here I am. Uh, you know, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, we are fairly imperial. Um, and that's not what I plan on being part of. So, right. you know, um, what really woke me up though, to, to become active uh, and begin writing and doing, and, and then uh, finally meeting you guys um, was coming back from that first deployment, and uh, within that, I think it was 48 hours of when I got back, um, you know, we were being we were being briefed to watch out for for uh, terrorists amongst our ranks, and being briefed specifically on uh, looking out for fast trackers to citizenship, which of which we had three in my own company who went down there and and you know work risk their lives going to war for the United States of America. Always and now I'm, always good yeah, and I'm looking left and right to guys that just made citizenship. Yep. They said, look out specifically for libertarians. Wow. And look for quote-unquote defenders of the Constitution. And I I was kind of buzzing off what I was looking at. And, I, and I'm not going to say I regret not standing up right there and going, uh, you know, excuse me. <laughs> I, I checked all of us then must be candidates for terrorists. So... Yeah. Um, that's what really woke me up, but it took me about a month of just, I just came home, and, and that's when I found actually YouTube videos that, that Abby was involved in back in college, and that's the real catalyst I think you're talking about, so sorry for the long-winded answer. Oh, no, you know, that's, before, that's before I forget, uh, I, I hate to interrupt you there, uh, but uh, okay. before I forget, um, there was something that I saw that I, that I feel like I should talk about before, before I get sidetracked. Um, and it's, uh, I was looking at an army, uh, it was an army hate groups and terrorism manual from 1993. And I found it in my own office, um, in the maintenance office. 
And um, basically everything on there, uh, with the exception of uh, one or two Islamist groups, was all uh, political uh, American uh, homegrown libertarian type movements uh, was listed in there. And of course, once again, this is from the early 90s, so we're talking about the time frame of, uh, of Waco and the sure. Bridge. Um, but uh, I was I was amazed that the army was actually putting literature out um, in in the form of training manuals, basically, um, to uh, enlisted personnel um, with the object of identifying and hunting down and stopping uh, homegrown dissent, basically. Um, and uh, that surprised me quite a bit. That that uh, is quite surprising that in 1993 they would write a whole manual about that. I mean that I would love to see a copy of that if if I don't know if it's available. But I'll tell you if I can get my hands on it again, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, that's I'm pretty sure that's open source. I'm pretty I, sure. I yeah, I, I guarantee you it is actually because once again it being uh, uh, close to 20 years old, uh, it might even be covered in rain And and really yeah. quickly, I just wanted to to clarify something. You you were talking about how there was soldiers on a fast track to citizenship that you were told to keep a, keep watch on or there was possibly suspect. Now, were they like Mexican um, Mexican descent? Well, or? There, was, there was a couple Latinos, um, Peru, uh, Mexico, and Guam was the other one. So they weren't even related to the Middle East whatsoever. It was just people who weren't, you know, citizens. We're all the boogeyman now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is a declaration of war against an emotion. This right. is a decision to be terrorized. And if you, right. you know, if you're going to declare war against an emotion, then we are all possibly suspects who terrorize. You know? Sure. This so doesn't fall into, I guess, <laughs> the original boogeyman that I bought into. And it's like the uh, it's like the Stalinist purges of the 1930s. You know, really, right. uh, nobody was safe, no matter if you remember the old guard or the new, or uh, who you work for, who you know what you stand for is not really an issue. What is an issue is that you disagree with the powers that be. And that's not really standing up for an ideal. That's just, uh, you know, uh, that's just uh, compromising with the power that is presented to you. And uh, basically, if you, uh, if you are not afraid of the power that's in your face, uh, you know, then, uh, then you are considered dangerous. Absolutely. Uh, that, seems to be, uh, that seems to be a growing trend, um, I would say, internationally. Uh, we're in the Western world, and uh, most frighteningly inside the United States itself, which at one time was supposed to bastion freedom. Now, now, speaking of you know telling truth to power or not being afraid of power, what what is your own experience like, you know, over there in Germany, or even when you were deployed um, to Iraq, where how were you able to talk with this about? I mean, were you able to talk about this with other soldiers, or did you find yourself having to? you know, feel around for people who are politically active? Like, how common is it to find, you know, another soldier that's serving with you or that you run into that shares your thoughts on, on this? I'll be pretty honest with you. It's not that hard to find people who will talk about it. I would say probably more than half the people I've talked to about it um, will will stand there and take it from me because they already know me and trust me. Or even show um, some degree of sympathy. There are, there are, yeah, there's some small percentage, and I found that it's pretty even between enlisted and officers that will um, have already those thoughts there, and actually you're having a meeting. Um, but it's like it's just below the ground, but you just got to dig a little bit. It's there. It. They're not going to be able to use the current people, army. People bury it. Yeah. They bury it in their own mind. Uh, They're not going to be able to use this current army. Um, to, to do too much more of what we're looking at unless there is a ridiculous crisis. A massive change. Um, there will have to be. And, and that's, yeah, and that's much why it won't happen under yeah. this army as it stands. Yeah. But um, it, it's not dangerous. It's not, there's no feeling of danger that I'm feeling. I mean, it's not like that. We're dealing with um, predominantly Republicans. We're dealing with predominantly Republicans who... At least uh, people from red states, soldiers from red states. That's yeah. what we have. We're dealing with, uh, you know, we all know that about how the army votes, but a lot of the Republicans don't realize they're part of a false left-right paradigm. So a lot of these people um, are uh, not going to go along with quite too much more of it, but then you have a different element. You have a lot of people who don't care or know anything about the Constitution and, and get kind of a kind of nervous when, you, when you're talking about it. So there's, there's, uh, there is a confusion you know, it's like the peasantry and the lesser nobility in a way. You know? 
And I mean, I, I don't mean to sound elitist because I'm not. You know, I come from dirt poor roots. But the fact of the matter is, there are a lot of people out there who are simply afraid of power. They're afraid of power to be. That's the only thing they really understand. And they don't understand that we as people, from the moment we're born in the United States as American citizens, we have certain rights that are unalienable. And, uh, and, and all they understand is the exercise of power and the existence of it. And uh, they'll do whatever that power tells them, yeah. you know. And uh, it's frightening. I mean, that's the same conditions that created Nazi Germany and Soviet Russia, you know. Uh, we all know this. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, it's all it's all done under this whitewashed guise of uh, an American free republic, which uh, really doesn't exist in the form that it was meant to anymore. No, it doesn't exist anymore. We think that, you know, we talk about politics being corrupt. It's not corrupt anymore. There is no corruption of American We've got American government. Corruption. We don't have the original American government. Right. It's there. When you're talking about you have to have separate classes, which is what what, what was in a Bachman? Michelle Bachman's giving classes now on the Constitution. You gotta be kidding me. Really quickly, uh yeah, Mal Malcolm, I yeah. agree with you. It is a it, and I think it's just the dumbing down um and kind of the design of you know, the education system. And, you know, you talked about your tour and how you kind of woke up when you got back. During your tour, though, in Iraq, did you question anything that you were being told to do? Like, the missions that you were going on, did you feel like they were justified? Did you have any questions when you were there about about what you were doing? Or tell me a little bit about that. Um, hmm. I, I'll just tell you that, you know, um, we, we are... We're practicing. We're practicing for going after anybody. Simple as that. You know, you're, uh, look what happened with, with uh, the, the amazing weaponry that the, uh, the Germans were able to build in World War II. And who they practice on? They practice on the Spanish. And that, and, uh, that fascist war that uh, happened in the 30s and kind of validated our whole machine before they unleashed it. Well, that's what we're doing. Different. It's not quite as... You know, clear. There's no clear lines in the sand anymore. There's no national. It's not really truly national. We're we're, we're entering into the ultimate global, uh, uh, basically international yeah. civil war. That's yeah, it's, it's but there's a there's a there's a global um, nation coming together. Sure, sure. I guess I guess with what I was saying is though, you know, it's it's against the individual and the family. Sure. So, the the transference though from from. One second, though the transfers from Afghanistan to Iraq, though, did you did you question that at all, or did you think that that was no, okay? no because that happened, Abby, that happened when uh, when I was just before I actually started school. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I was so at that point so engrossed with the the administrative side of getting in there. I actually had to get you know um, some medical things figured out with my eyes. I had laser surgery in order to to be. Uh, there's just a lot of things going on that I was focused on. So at that point, I mean, I just, I, I, I assumed there was weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, you know? Sure. I wasn't going to stop at that point. So. I, think, uh, I think almost all of us did, really. I mean, at the time, I was, uh, when we invaded Iraq, I think I was uh, in high school, mm -hmm. really. And uh, at that point, I was uh, not outside the shadow of the mass media, you know, right. watching Fox News and what have you. <laughs> uh, what are you going to come away with, you know? Yeah. Uh, as a, you know, as a 15, 16-year-old, you know, Fox News has basically become the last chance the mainstream media has to continue to brainwash people. Is, you know, I mean, yeah, well, because there's guys like, you've know, you got guys like Glenn Beck, yeah. you've got guys like Judge Napolitano, you do have uh, some guys who actually talk about the Constitution. Right? I don't know about, but, I don't know about you guys, but Glenn Beck skills scares the hell out of me. It scares me because but, uh, it perverts it. It starts off with what you do believe in, and then it, it swings well, around and gets you to yeah. continue to go to war. Well, he's co-opting it. He's co-opting a genuine uh, yeah. feeling that a lot of people have and trying to re-channel it into something that reinforces the left-right paradigm again. Yes, yeah. yeah. Same and with Napolitano. Napolitano's a little better. I mean, I, I've been watching him for the past year, and I noticed that about 25% of his show is excellent. It's civil liberties centric. And then the other 75%, he'll have someone on like Sarah Palin and then just totally not challenge her beliefs whatsoever. Yeah, and, there's an agenda. There's an agenda. Well, the yeah. more he speaks out, that more that means that his days are probably numbered. Yeah, um, exactly. So, but, uh, I've noticed that. Uh, Okay, yeah, go ahead. So, Malcolm, I was just going to say, let's turn to you now. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you um, became awakened to just the bigger picture? 
Well, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, I come from a strange group of people. <laughs> uh, sometimes they call my family redneck. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, no, I wouldn't go so far as redneck. Uh, I mean, uh, back in uh, back in the 1950s, my grandfather was actually pretty uh, pretty big, uh, pretty important guy over in uh, in California. My uh, my grandfather was actually uh, I have no roots in New York whatsoever, except for the fact that my grandfather took a job there in the late 60s. Um, which resulted in my my entire family moving there. But uh, yeah, my my grandfather was a pretty high powered guy in uh, the 1950s. In uh, 1955, he was the president of the National Machine Accounts Association of the San Francisco Bay chapter. Um, I don't know uh, I don't know if that rings a bell for anybody. I think I'm sure that's been defunct for many years now. But uh, he uh, he actually had personal letters written to him by Edwin Stevenson, um, things of that nature. So. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was a pretty high-powered guy. Where was I going with this? Yeah, last you, you, you lost it. Did, did we lost what's just, going on? Just how did you, how did you get to where oh, you are now in terms of first enlisting, now awake? Okay, yeah, I come from a family of fairly free-thinking people. Um, that being said, um, from, from early childhood age, pretty much, uh, around the age of 10, I guess, I started listening to Alex Jones. Um, who was featured, uh, I think he had a one-hour broadcast or something like that on uh, on a local radio station, uh, and I started listening to him as a kid, really, um, and uh, it just kind of ballooned out from there. Uh, the older I got, you know, uh, in my teen years, I, I kind of tried to become mainstream, but it did, you know, it, like everybody does when they're a teenager, but it didn't really, uh, it didn't really pan out for me. Um, I always felt like there was something missing, you know, and uh, like, <laughs> you know, uh, the truth is out there, you know, and uh, the explanations that, that we're given on a daily basis are just not plausible, you know. There's no excuse for the destruction of the manufacturing base of the United States, you know, no destruction, no, uh, no excuse for uh, uh, our overextension of military power, you know, things of that nature. So I guess I've, I've always kind of been awake. Um, I guess in the last three years or so, I've pretty much come to, uh, my, my views have come to maturity, come to fruition. Was there any event that specific event that triggered that to change? It, this this was already when you were in the process of joining the military. You woke up, right? Or was it when you already joined? Oh, it was no. It was actually before that. I oh, okay. Say, uh, why you joined? <laughs> I guess I, I guess well, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going that's, next. I think that's what we're trying to do. If I would realize what I think I've already realized before I joined, I think I wouldn't be. Uh, I think I'd probably be just a blatant fascist. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, I'm cool with it. Let's go get some Al-Qaeda, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, um, there, there have always been armies and there has always been war. And uh, I guess in a way I got sucked in. Well, I had personal circumstances as well, you know. It was one of those situations where I, uh, I felt like, this was something that I had to do to get my life back in order, you know. Um, and and I chose a job where I will almost definitely never have to pull the trigger on somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, that's not something I desire to do. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people I talk to that's, that that talk about that, like that, like it would be an exciting situation. Oh, sure. I, I don't think I would be that surprised, to be honest. I know a lot of people who, who are obsessed yeah. with Call of Duty, and if they had the chance to actually do it in <laughs> real life, they would jump in it with, you know, feet first you know very excitedly yeah well i'm not one of those people um i don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that i've never been a big gamer <laughs> <laughs> i think it has more to do with my moral fiber and the fact that but you still feel you know, high fighters though <laughs> i do i i <laughs> so, uh, you know I, I work, are you okay <laughs> the fact of the matter is i work on an aircraft that you know my friend here will fly and he will kill people with it if he's given the order <laughs> and uh, you know, I've, I've come to peace with that to an extent. Um, it's uh, it, I, I'm I'm not you know I'm not um, a fan of the ending of human life you know in any way. Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, I uh, I have a mission to accomplish. Right? It's uh, it's assigned to me by the people of the United States via the president. Right? 
Uh, yeah, you laugh, and I know you laugh, but uh, you know it's uh, it's something that uh, basically I signed a contract to do, right? Yeah, it's your um, job. It's your job. I mean, yeah, it's... well, well thought out or not, you know, it's uh, it's a contract. You can stop laughing. Any <laughs> and I, this this is a good time to we, we when we first started the interview, we wanted to ask you something that's timely that's going on military related right now, and and the main thing that kept coming up in our discussions before this interview was Bradley Manning and. Bef and we wanted to know, in general, what your thoughts were on civil disobedience in the military as an active member of the military. Like, for example, you know, as an Apache helicopter pilot, what would be the repercussions of not firing on someone that you're ordered to? If you, if you personally decide, you know, in your own head that it was a bad call. I mean, that, that is... But that is given to us as a decision, and we'll be backed up by it. So, so you're so you're allowed to. I guess I guess a better question would be: What if you what if you did not follow a direct order in in some in a in a situation like that? Well, uh, we have um, from the perspective of an aircraft, you have the 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 final decision on on uh, pulling the trigger is given to the person who pulls the trigger in that aircraft. So, so, but in, in general, I, I've, I get the feeling, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I'll, that sometimes the information given to the person in the aircraft is, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if they say that someone on the ground has guns, I mean, when you're in the aircraft, you would have the tendency to believe the person, you know, instructing you on the other end, whether, whether you can maybe verify yourself or not. I mean, if, is that, is that, is there some truth to that? Um, well... Our, our our biggest concern is um, whether or not what we're shooting at is what we're being told it is. Yeah. Positive ID. If we can positive, positively identify um, that what is being told to us by, let's say, a group of Pennsylvania guard guys that are down inside of a town and they're being sniped, and they're getting possibly hurt and in, in danger, then of course it's my job to stop that so that they can go home for Christmas. Yeah. So if I can't positively identify it, it's my choice. And that uh, will be reviewed if there was a, a questioning of that decision. But at the end of the day, uh, we are constantly uh, dealing with um, being able to defend those actions, even if we're told to shoot, we still have to defend those actions. Yeah. Um, so I would say overwhelmingly, it's it is a mature, happy situation. And that's what's so unfair about that one WikiLeaks video. Um, has really nothing to do with Manning. I think it has a lot more to do with the overall support for the war by uh, people, and that's what's threatened. Um, but. Never is it more important to be able to have transparency um, than during a time of war. Now, when you're talking about specific movements, um, and uh, hey, you guys still there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, we're talking about specific movements of, of soldiers and plans, and then technologies that have been developed by our people and stuff like that. I mean, that's kind of a separate thing. You don't leak that. You don't give that to the press because that's to defend the country. Um, when you're talking about something that's two and a half years old, um, that's really, it's, it's already known. There's so many other videos of engagements that are already out there. Uh, it doesn't really add up that that one is the one that's going to put um, Manning at, at risk or at peril. He, he broke a rule. He broke a rule of, of uh, hey, this particular information was in a secure area. And that could have been something that was truly of national interest. So there are specific channels by which that has to, if it's going to be released, be released. But that, that's not his decision to make. Now, he's still going to be accountable to that. But in terms of comparing what was learned by the public seeing that versus other stuff that's already out there and has been released through normal channels. How much more impact did it really make? Yeah, it, it really was only an impact on the public sentiment. So that's really, I think, the real issue. It's not about 
He didn't jeopardize the security. No, no, this stuff was old. He didn't jeopardize oh, anybody because this stuff he was He jeopardized so the spirit of the war, actually. Yeah, he yeah. jeopardized the spirit of the war. No, no, is he... I mean, I, I, I have the feeling just by listening to you talk about him that you're not... You're not necessarily for what he did. I mean, is what is your just opinion on on what he yeah. did, and 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 if that was you, I mean, would I mean, what what is kind of the general opinion on on his punishment as well? Like, I mean, he's you know he's forced to strip down naked every night. He's in solitary confinement twenty three hours a day. Is that just kind of part of the course? I mean, if you're in the military and you do something like that, is it just kind of like, you know, is that where he's at right now? Is that what he's going through? Yeah. Right yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's real simple. Um, it, it actually talks about that in the Constitution. It's called cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> okay? And what that is is, yeah, okay, got it. Maybe I don't do anything physically permanently damaging to you, but that's, you know, there's a certain subjectivity to cruel and unusual, but it doesn't say that United States citizens are the only ones that don't receive that. It's persons, and that's any right. human being. So... They're already that. That's a, for me. That's a separate issue, and, and of course, that in my mind would never be justifiable. Well, okay, I but, guess but what he did was he released. He did release information that came from a uh, um, uh, yeah. Well, it came from a pool of information yeah. that your that your uh, that your military maintains and has a right to maintain in order to protect it and you. So that's why inside the military there are channels by which that gets released, which he violated, and he should be held accountable for that. But to be put in next to a terrorist, I mean, I, whatever a terrorist is, really, that I don't really see because he didn't jeopardize anybody's uh, uh, lives, even at a platoon or, or level. He jeopardized the overall opinion on the war, which, of course— if that forces the nation to retreat because we have a Vietnam type situation where the sentiment turns and now we're backing out and you see Cubans getting pushed off aircraft carriers and we're going into Saigon and you know it, it's just so, such a such a fast uh, retreat out of the country that what we were what what was uh, it damages the mission it damages the overall mission which will necessarily end up in people the United States military getting hurt. If so, the sentiment is drastically changed, causing the people in the United States to go, I want my people out now. Right okay, now. so so so, gonna, so these are the kind of the things that you're playing off each other. So it's kind of hard to just say I support or don't support Manning. What what I'm saying is I think because there's nothing specific about movements or anything released, I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that WikiLeaks affects public sentiment drastically. And that's, that's something that a soldier yeah. that a soldier supported and violated his own uh, really his own uh, oath to to do. Yeah. So, so why why is uh, you know obviously we we know that it's all propaganda, but why do you think the the media is it just justifying his um, his inhumane detention right now? Is that why they're saying that he violated national security and put our country at risk with yeah, the we leaks? Justify, yeah, we justify all kinds of inhumane detention. Sure. Uh, yeah, and we have in the past. And the fact of the matter is, uh, we're talking about, I mean, look at the guy who, who ended up taking the fall for this, and that's why I think he's a fall guy. Um, look at this guy, okay? He's, what is he, 22 years old, 23? Yeah, maybe? he's a 23 private, 23 year old 23 private. 23 years old, well, he's, he's not a private first class anymore, I guarantee you that. <laughs> he's probably just a private, uh, an e-fuzzy as we call him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, coming from the lower enlisted ranks myself, I'm not a private anymore, but, uh, I can testify that, you know, they don't, they don't tell privates anything for real. If he had access to information, then, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he got into something that, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't authorized to, but honestly, the fault in that probably lies with one of his superiors. And uh, I think he was just a, a more a sacrificial lamb than anything. And what they did was uh, choose to make an example of him. Like, hey, here's this guy, right? He's low, low, low down in the food chain. He had access to this information. He released some of it or all of it, right? And uh, we're going we're gonna to mess him up royally, you know, and uh, treat him as basically a saboteur. 
And, uh, what he did doesn't really qualify as sabotage. He didn't, he didn't damage any equipment. He didn't destroy the war effort. Clearly, the war goes he's on. Spy. He's not yeah. spy. He's Literally. not like these World War II, yeah. you know, 007 type, you know, secret yeah. ops stuff going on that really could affect the, the right. outcome of the war. And I mean, clearly, the war the war goes on regardless yeah. of his activity. Yeah. And we, you know, we were all aware. We were all aware of that kind of stuff that goes on. You know, damn, it's not a fair situation when you've got war going on in amongst civilian populations. If you don't get that, then you're living in a dream world. So I really just don't see how the information that he leaked, aside from the fact that he pulled out of a pool that was labeled secure, if that's what even happened, um, aside from that, I don't see how he affected anything enough to warrant a cruel and unusual punishment, which isn't even constitutionally yeah, yeah. Uh, Wow. We're so, talking about a private, which is, you know, as, pretty much as low as you can go, yeah, in the Army. Uh, we're talking about a private who leaked some video, right, that he had access to, supposedly, right, uh, going to prison and, and random government detention centers and crazy stuff, right, for uh, 20 years, maybe upwards, they're talking about? Well, he's now. facing the death penalty now. Basically, yeah. they're going to take this kid's life, you know, for, for a situation that he may not have even been the ringleader of. And, and uh, something that did not jeopardize the life of any serviceman. Well, you brought up a lot of um, important points just now, and, and I wanted to go over a couple of them. Um, first, the idea that that Manning did this at all, that we that we've, we haven't been shown any evidence by the government that he actually did this. And, it's, and it is an important point that he is a private. How did he have access to such supposed important, you know, secure information? Well, I'll, yeah, I mean, let's just, let's just be clear. Um, there's all kinds of people uh, that get in the way of that pathway of information. There's all kinds of people who know stuff. You just, all you got to do is you just go back in history a little bit, and you can look at any kind of war. Every computer that passes through intercepts it. And, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that people, th even without computers, you just go back into other wars, and you can see that, and you, can, you hear interviews now, if you hear uh, soldiers talk about what happened, things that they knew that were going on. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of stuff. So it's possible uh, that, that he did. What he had access to. Sure, it's possible. I mean, if you're in a unit, uh, let's say World War II, let's detach a little bit from present day, okay. you know, and, uh, you know, you're, or Vietnam, your, your platoon goes through, you know, things happen, you know, uh, you can't tell friendly from enemy. Um, and, and then you talk about it. I think the point that we're trying to make is that the government hasn't presented anything to us. It seems like they're almost trying to psychologically break Manning down with this treatment, which makes me call into question the fact that, I mean, if they had any evidence at all, I just don't see why they wouldn't have shown it to us to justify yeah. this. I mean, and eventually they will break him down. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's probably that's, that's, what they're waiting to do. That's unfortunate for him, for real. I mean, he got mixed up in a bad situation, but the fact of the matter is, right now, He's looking at, you know, a life sentence to the death penalty, possibly, for something that had he done the same thing as a 23-year-old intern at Enron, you know, uh, would have gotten him a slap on writ, a misdemeanor at most. Yeah, he'd be a national hero. I mean, he'd, he'd be right, considered... Or maybe even that. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, um, so I think uh, he just seems to me... I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time looking into this, guys. I'm going to be serious here, you know. But uh, just on the face value of the situation, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and say he looks like a very convenient fall guy to me because I've been a private first class and uh, trust me, you don't have access to privileged information, at least not privileged enough to warrant, you know, uh, a long prison sentence or the or the death penalty, you know, for divulging. Yeah, which brings us, which brings me to the other. I guess the 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 most important thing that I keep thinking of through this is that he is being made an example out of, and it's and it seems like he, the damage has already been done. Whether he gets off or not, whatever happens with this trial, the message has been sent to people not only in the military but to the American public that if you do anything like this, you can end up in prison facing the death penalty and being stripped naked in your cell. Let me tell you another important message. What does he look like to you? Does he look about as American as apple pie? <laughs> <laughs> Rosy cheeks. Doesn't he look like hair. the kid that you, were, that you were sitting next to in pre-calc? <laughs> yep. He looks like she was picking corn in Oklahoma. <laughs> right, we've, got, we've got a real clear agenda going on here. Um, a terrorist could look like anybody. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. And then and on top of that, um, we've got straight up in in, in, uh, in our commercials that come through 
the armed forces network that we're, that we have to watch when we when we live on posts or when we're going to field exercises or going to Iraq. Which is terrible, There's by the way. Commercials Silence. that go on there. Uh, you remember that that uh, video uh, by Michael Jackson? You know, what was it? Am I black or white? But it was at the end. You know, I like go through all the different faces and everyone's morphing into and it's got to right. be race presented. Well, well, Madonna basically did that. Yeah. And said a terrorist could look like anybody, and the person is explaining this to you, but the person's changing into every look you can ever possibly imagine. It's like the so scramble finally, suit on Scanner Darkly. So finally, you see a like Scanner Darkly. Yeah, so the scra see, scramble suit. And so finally, you see um, a service member pointing at the screen, saying, "It could even be you, or wow. it could even look like you." Wow. We are we we are no longer going against this. Boogeyman, you know, Osama bin Laden that's creeping out in the bushes with the turban and, and the AK-47 and the beard and, you know, making me scared, you know, and that's what we're going, we can, we can really put that into a group of Muslim ex Islamic extremists. If the kid you were sitting next to in 11th grade pre-calc. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and the message that's being sent. And if we're going to be okay with that, and we're not going to, you know, teach that constitution, that we swear to defend and uphold, you know, we don't have a republic. And so that's why I'm saying there, we are no longer dealing with a, a, a corrupt government. I believe that, you know, if we've got senators that are having to hold constitution classes, how on earth did those representatives, congressmen and women get up there if they're swearing oath to something that they need classes on? <laughs> that's a good you know? point. <laughs> Punishment, that is a separate issue. Yeah. Completely separate. And, uh, you know, just moving along here, um, you guys have both written written uh, extensively about just your thoughts about the Iraq war. Malcolm, you did a piece on, um, you know, we're not really scaling down and how that's kind of this myth. Um, why, yeah. why do you think that's so underreported? I mean, why do so many people think that the Iraq war is over? Could you guys speak well, on I that? Well, I think it's, I, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, Abby, it's because... Um, the government and and the media um, understand that uh, all of it's unpopular and it's nothing that anybody wants to hear about really. Uh, you know, they don't want to hear about an ongoing war. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they don't want to hear about uh, troops dying in Iraq um, two years after a president was elected uh, with his pretty much uh, his centerpiece campaign uh, platform thing. Uh, was, uh, you know, that he was going to pull us out. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think it's, it's all to give the people a false sense of satisfaction to an extent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of people out there uh, living on that. Uh, I can say for a matter of fact, there are members of my family, my grandmother especially, who, uh, thank, thank God, is still alive, uh, as old as she is, but... Uh, you know, uh, who, who still watch Fox News uh, around the clock pretty much, you know, and uh, and that's her source of information, you know, and that's all she she knows. She She's not going to understand the complexities of the issue. She's going to understand what uh, what Shepard Smith tells her, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty sure. strange. Sure. Yeah. And and uh, yeah. can you note? Could you note just a uh, hello? And yet we, we can really buy into such a few number of options on news on uh, anything else, cars, oil, all the most important things. Yeah. Let's say money. But the fact we, of the matter is, we can American not people are easily distracted, and, and we are not scaling down in either wars. I'm really, I mean, Iraq to an extent, but I have a friend right now, as I wrote in my article previously, um, you know, I have a friend in, a, in an infantry division right now, and he is serving as combat infantry, and he is in Iraq right now. You know, uh, he's dodging bullets. And, uh, you know, according to the major news networks, uh, he's pretty much not even there. It's like, it's like yeah. it never even happened, you know? Uh, this, is, this is like Vietnam yeah. in 1975, but without the footage of the helicopters looking on. Well, and also, could you just, could you just uh, add to that about uh, the, the military contractors? What is their role right now in the Iraq well, war? It's simple. I mean, they don't swear an oath to any sort of a document. Right. Okay, so it's real, it's real simple. We went from an era of kings and divinely appointed people who breathe uh, morality, they say it, it's true. Well, we established in the Nuremberg trial that saying I was just following orders doesn't cut it when you slaughter an entire group of people. So what we did was we pushed on the rest of the world the idea that you can have a constitution and that you would swear an oath to it 
And in our Constitution, it talks about that you are born with certain rights. That was so, a brief shot so, moment, though, yeah, so, in, in, in the history of human rights. That so was so this, is, this yeah. is the real dilemma that's going on. Are you, are you going to honor the idea that you don't do certain things, that you know, you, you're obliged, number one, to follow lawful orders, yeah. lawful as opposed to what? In comparison to what? That Constitution. And you are obliged to not follow unconstitutional orders. Let's go back to New Orleans. And he's going to say Let's go back to New Orleans during... <laughs> yeah, know, we, during, yeah you know, just to see the shit show that happened there with Blackwater. Exercise of contractors, of, you know, uh, Black, Blackwater, which has been renamed, of, you know, no, you've got guard, guard units that are coming down and then leaving because the battalion commanders, brigade commanders would not follow the orders. And then you have a battalion of a new guardian to come down and you end up with staff sergeants not following those orders and getting kicked out of the military. There are people who understand that document and there are people who don't. And right now, generally speaking, when I start talking about that thing we swore an oath to, uh, that concept that there are certain things you cannot cross when it comes to a living human being, people laugh at you nervously. They don't, they don't know anything about that four-page document. And that's what is supposed to separate the American soldier from the soldier from any other country. And from the past. That's we, right. we do not swear an oath to a man. We don't right. swear an oath to power. We swear an oath to a document that was written to, our to provide yeah. Yeah, yeah. To provide for freedom and rights that you're every born human yeah. being. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to be fighting for. So, but that's not what we so fight At the end of the day, when you look at it macroscopically, it doesn't add up. Yeah. And, and we're, what are we doing? Why are we there? Yeah. Right. Why? Why is there a military contractor force? You know, why are we taking out fifty thousand troops but adding in fifty thousand contractors? Is is really? Yeah, most of them are good people. But the key is that the mechanism has been removed. Right. They don't say anything. The only thing that they are part of is a corporation that's now colluded with your government and has. No owns anything except profit. So they are going to do what they do for profit. That's it. Well put, Yosarian. Well, we have um, only 10 minutes left, so we just kind of wanted to get in um, a couple more things. By Thank the way, you. we're really nervous. Just want to let you know this is like <laughs> the first time that we've ever been with professional radio <laughs> No, no, this is great, you guys. I would like to do this like every month, just have like an update with you guys. I mean, this would be really cool. Uh, yeah, this is very ad hoc, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I didn't know about this coming up until about 30 minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise. Well, I wanted to quickly interject something. I was upstairs when you were just talking to Abby about Iraq, but kind of my impression of it is it's like since the media isn't talking about Iraq at all anymore, the American public doesn't even know that it's still active. It's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to listen, you know, is, did the tree actually fall? It's kind of the same concept. Um, I mean, it's, it's surreal in a way that all it takes is the media to mention that something's still going for people to know it is. And when they don't, you know, we just kind of well, it's the Iraq war's over. I mean, I hear people all the time saying Obama got us out of Iraq. It's it's right. you hear it daily. And what almost. are they talking about now? They're talking about Charlie freaking Sheen. Yeah, okay. winning. <laughs> winning. <laughs> we yeah. um. I got fire blood. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what people are talking well, about. Here's here's something too. You know, you got this. Uh, you got non-mainstream like Alex Jones, which is what really he, you know his interviews on Alex Jones what two weeks ago, and. Yet, you get no acknowledgement of the existence of Alex, Alex Jones until he's on, what was it, that show with the, with the ladies? The View. Of The View, right? Yeah. But yet, then he's gone, and there's still no existence of Alex Jones. Yet, Charlie Sheen obviously was heard by the entire world. Where? Alex Jones. So, that's, it, it, this is the, the underground information. Now, we need more than Alex Jones. We need everybody. And that's why when you have a true free market, I mean, I mean um, there's a demand for information right now. We need that's, they're going to go after the Internet because that's yeah. the conduit. You know, you've got awakened Iranians, awakened Egyptians. Awa everybody's getting woken up. You have Ow. Anonymous attacking the Pentagon. Yeah. You guys yeah. hear about so, that? What was it? Did you guys hear about the WikiLeaks retaliation that... Um, the group Anonymous, the hacking group, is next target is the Pentagon because of Bradley Manning. It's called Operation Bradical. Yeah. yeah, if they if they upset the information flow, which is what we're doing, we're sitting here in Germany, we're able to communicate with you, 
And once that's done, I mean, I just had uh, my flight surgeon, uh, he had a cousin who was actually a radio voice in Egypt, had a contract there working for a year. Um, she had to get out of there. And she ended up coming to Germany, just quickly got flown into Munich. And um, I got a chance to talk with her for a while. And they were leaving notes on doors. They didn't know where any of their friends were. Everything was shut down. That's what will really screw it up. When, they, when you start to be able to limit what we're doing right now, that's what will change is there's a, there is a demand for information. And as long as there's a demand for information, there's going to be people like you doing what you're doing in the wake of guys like Alex Jones. And that's what gives us better product. Well, and as long as there's a demand for information, there'll be the those that are, you know, the controlling forces that are trying to stifle that, which is why you see the media takeover, the kill switch um, bill being legislated and, and just all these horrifying things that are happening under a new face, you know, while all maintaining this guise of freedom. So, so I'm so still cooperating with the NSA. I'm so, right. That's ugly. I'm so I, proud. I could do a whole segment. I'm so proud of what we're doing. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of... What's your name? Malcolm. Malcolm here. Um, I'm proud of the leave of you guys. And, but you don't need to be trying to research or trying to become a, you know, it's very alienating when I start a conversation with someone who doesn't engage your mind on this. It's alienating because it, it may seem like I'm coming off as, as maybe uh, a loop or arrogant or, or, or know-it-all because that's all I think about. Um, but there's people who've been doing it longer like yourself. But you don't need to have much knowledge to know when things stink. And right. the whole world knows it stinks. They all smell shit on the wind. Even that guy who's just herding, herding sheep in our, or what were they herding in Iraq? Goats. <laughs> herders in Iraq. <laughs> the, the, the guy that really has got no access to anything knows it doesn't add up. Well, what's interesting yeah. that you just said that is that they did a poll in the most war-torn areas of Afghanistan and found that like ni over 90% of the people living in the villages had no idea what 9-11 was. So they don't really have any idea. You know, talk about winning the hearts and minds. I mean, what the fuck's going on? People have no idea what's going on. People tend to know, even if they don't know, right. with facts and history and, and, you know, all, you know, they're not really good with all that, but they know when things don't add up. They know when they're not being, you know, free. When they, not free. Yeah, so, they know that there's no real direct reason why our, our military's, you know, occupying their country, pretty much. You don't win hearts and minds with guns. That's been really something that I've, I've taken to heart for a long time. And the fact yeah. of the matter is, uh, if we want to win hearts and minds, you know what you have to do? Um, we have to bring a lot of the troops home, and we have to restructure our foreign policy, and we have to restructure our industrial base, Here's which thing has been I want to bring up, too, is the biggest thing we're always talking about is spreading democracy. We're not a democracy. We're never we're supposed to be. Democracy is 51% of the people telling 49 what to do. Yeah. That means that's mafia. That means, brother, you and me vote on party number three that's yeah. going to die, and he dies. But that's and that not, always, and that's not comes, his right. Okay. To the soul so what we are is a constitutional republic. Okay, we have an indirect form of democracy, but it requires a supermajority, and there can never be a violation of those unalienable rights. We talk about democracy. It's ignorance. America's not supposed to be a democracy. Right. Okay, and so we're not spreading democracy. Right. I mean, That's it's all—it's all the propaganda tools. I mean, we're living in a in a fantasy land right now where we think that terrorism is the biggest threat facing the world. I mean, so if you believe that, then I'm sure that you believe that we're we're spreading democracy and that these women are just going to take off their burqas and become American. And I mean, it's just insane. All of it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, they treat us like infants, like we have no critical thinking skills at all, and a lot of people don't, unfortunately. <laughs> doesn't add up. Yeah, no, definitely doesn't add up. And, and you know, just we don't need to get into this right now because I know this could be a whole nother show. But you said, you know, you can tell when something stinks and you can tell when something just doesn't add up really quickly. Do both of you believe the official story that the government's told us about 9-11 and the anthrax attacks? Um, well, I, I we only got like five minutes left, right? Yeah, no, this this could just be a really short... I mean, we can get into that on another show. I want to have you guys on again, like, I mean, in a I, recurring I, was, I, was, I studied engineering for five, six years. I've always, I come from a family of engineers, you know, very objective, blah, blah, blah. Um, there, there is... Uh, there's no way that that can happen. Yet, I watched it happen and just assumed it. And I was... <laughs> that's all I studied. What do you mean there's no way that like that could happen? It's so bad it's so awful what happened 
that it doesn't even occur. Even as someone who studies the language of physics and what we've observed and put together, that that can't happen unless it's completely intentional. What What are you referring to right now? Can you tell our audience? Straight down on themselves like that. Not twice. Not at free fall speed. Not three times. (laughs) Not three times. Right. So you can't do that. Yet I watched it and I was like, yeah, they did it. Okay. So (laughs) what's involved? I mean, you've got guys that, you've got a few companies in the world that all they do is try to make buildings fall down and they fuck them up all the time. Sorry. (laughs) Right. They go sideways. You're telling me that all we need now, we should start a new physics book. Physics 101. (laughs) All you need to do to bring down buildings, you don't need to do that. Six months of, you know, looking through, getting with the engineers and the architects and looking at the blueprints and figure out where you know place all the charges based on how they built the structure so you can make them fall down and not hurt buildings on the sides. No, what we do now is we just, depending on how big the building is, we scale it off 911. It takes a, what kind of plane was it? A 707? 747. Take whatever kind of plane it was, takes down the, uh, the mass of uh, the World Trade Center, you scale it down, you got one that's a little smaller, we'll use a Cessna. That'll work. <laughs> It'll fall straight down. No, trust me, I've got footage. I can prove it. It's fall- <laughs> 9-11. The last thing I think is important to talk about is um, we actually have talked to um, to legal uh, to JAG about what we're allowed to, to, to talk about. Sure. Um, we, we are not allowed to um, use our rank, our name, um, to, to uh, forward our, our personal political views. As long as we're anonymous, we can vote. We vote anonymously, and we can have opinions anonymously. Um, but in terms of calling into question any of our chain of command, um, going all the way up to whatever president's there, um, we are not questioning that. When we come to a position where we have to question the chain of command, that is no different than when you're told you're going through a village, like in Vietnam, and you're told to, to fire on people you know are not a threat, and you have as a soldier to make that decision whether or not you're going to do it, which means that might be your court martial, that might be your incarceration. We are espousing only our concerns in relation to our oath and constitution, and in no way, shape, or form are we at, at a point where we're questioning um, any, of, any of the orders that we've been given. Oh, sure. Um, no, thank you for clarifying that, Yosarian, and I think, I think it's important to say that. Um, and it is important to, to just have this dialogue, you know, it's what you guys see as going on in the, in the rest of the world doesn't necessarily mean what you've, you've directly encountered in your, your tour or, or what you're doing there. But yeah, I mean, thanks for that. And, um, I think it's, I think it's essential to have this dialogue, to continue this dialogue. And this is, this is what's going to save this country, education and, and discussion. And Rio Sarin, I had one last question for you that's totally unrelated, but um, just for fun, uh, I couldn't help but, you know, be intrigued by your name choice, uh, Yosarian. So I'm assuming you're a Catch-22 fan. Um, yeah. <laughs> are there any particular lines or, or, or quotes from that book that really stand out to you that, are, that you think about? Oh. Mm, I've got the movie here. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched enough recently. Let me try to think. It's pretty much, uh, I wish I had a quick one line I could give you, but it's, it's, it's the whole part where he's up in the bomber and he's, he's a bombardier and he's looking down and he's just like, drop the bombs. Okay, turn, turn, let's go, let's go back, you know, <laughs> uh, that part. But they're getting over a target area and they're getting flat pretty bad. And, and you just get that like, wait a sec, that's not the brave officer that I thought was <laughs> bomber is going over there doing his duty for the country he just wants to he doesn't know he's not buying into it he doesn't he just wants to fucking go home get his 25 missions in and get the hell out of there i think one of the best one of the most memorable parts for me is when he it was one of the opening parts in the book when he goes to his superior officer and he says i i need to leave immediately everyone's trying to kill me and he goes well, what do you mean he's like well they're all trying to shoot at me sir like everyone's trying to kill me i don't want to be here but it's just kind of the most it's it's in a, in a very naive but also very honest kind of reaction to what you're uh-huh. you're you know you're doing in, in war so yeah and and the, the unit that i'm in we're you know you gotta understand you ever seen the uh, last of the i'm not last week i'm sorry uh what's it called um well dance of the wolves yeah he gets ordered to go out to some outpost that's been abandoned for years and out in the middle of indian territory and he's just like really this is this is where i'm supposed to be that's where we are here 
We are separated <laughs> from the major army. We're oh, out here on an outpost that's out part of uh, in Western Europe on the old true. Cold War lines, you know, the, the Iron Curtain. And then we're even once more displaced from our major brigade in our own isolated little battalion. And then most of the time, the three companies in the battalion are scattered in the wind. So there's so little, you, you end up with leaders like Major Major in that movie, where you're going to the office and you're trying to, to find out, you know, where are we going next week? What are we doing? And they're just like, well, I mean, I, I'm really not available to be seen right now. Uh, and you're like, but you're right there, sir. <laughs> I'm here. I'm available when I'm not in my office. And that whole line that went on in that movie, in that book, and uh, and then he goes out the back window. But I'm, <laughs> I'm a product of uh, definitely the, uh, the, the the movie era, and I tend to not read the book because I feel like it spoils the movie. <laughs> that's a reversal well, of what you really hear. Sorry, Robbie, I didn't read the book. I only watched the movie. Oh, no, that's okay. I haven't actually read the full book either. I just My wife, is it's one of her favorite books, and she keeps trying to get me to read it. And uh, one of these days I'm going to. But uh, and, and just to wrap it up, you guys, I really think that we should do this every month, though, because it's been really awesome. Um, and just really quickly, I just wanted a final statement from Malcolm and Yosarian. I mean, whatever you guys want to say, just a, just a minute or two. Anything else um, before we wrap up the show, Malcolm? Uh, well, uh, God, I could go on forever. <laughs> um, the fact of the matter is uh, that the people in the United States, you know, the voters, the taxpayers, uh, the people who sent us here, you know, by proxy, right, um, they need to understand that uh, we're here because we were sent here. Um, it has nothing to do with personal choice, really. You know, we'd just as well be in Texas, you know. Right. Um, but, um you know, uh, we do the job that we're sent to do, and that's all. Uh, we're not here to uh, avenge any personal vendetta, you know. Um, we're just here to execute the orders that are given to us, you know. So that's what we do. And uh, if, if that's what the people want, then supposedly that's what the commander-in-chief is supposed to want, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and the commander-in-chief runs that on down the line to, you know, the chief of staff and then the Department of the Army and, you know, uh, U.S. Uh, US Command Europe and so on down. Um, so, um, yeah, if, uh, if, if you don't want your troops in foreign war zones, then, uh, then say something and elect officials that are going to bring them home. You know, for real. Um, that and uh, for reals, you know, yo. Yeah, for reals, yo. <laughs> and uh, you know the. Uh, oh God, I could go on about a million different things, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, and the uh, the American way of life is uh, basically dying. You know. Right. Um, our freedoms are being encroached upon daily, and uh, the distractions from the mass media culture. You need to ignore them, for real. You do. Um, just forget about Charlie Sheen, forget about Miley Cyrus, forget about Lady freaking Gaga. Nobody cares about that lady, for real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, concentrate on the issues that actually matter. Right. I guess that would be, that would be the cornerstone of the point that I'm trying to make. Concentrate on the issues that affect you and affect the people you know and the people you love and just stop watching this garbage about Charlie Sheen doing that because I seriously don't care. Well put. Uh, Yosarian? Um, I, uh, the only thing I have to say is from when I started researching here more and uh, I found that the news uh, shorts that you were making when you were in college still with that one, what was the girl's name that, that whose father helped to finance some of that? Uh, Jane. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you guys for what you did. Get as many of those people back. <laughs> and I, 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 I am proud to be, uh, to be involved with you, and I'm proud of you and, and of Robbie. Thank you very much for what y'all are doing over there. Thanks, Yosarian. It's very kind of you. Thank you so much, Yosarian. You're the best. You guys are awesome. Um, I really, I really think that we should, we should do this more often. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time on such short notice to have this conversation with us. It's, it's a very crucial perspective that needs to be told. So, I hope you get more from uh, us, from us, from us, us, us being the executive branch. I hope you get more. We, we are. The nerves, we are just the nerves. We are, we are supposed to be executing what's coming from the people, the brain of the United States. 
So. Well, thanks for your perspective. It was nice to meet you guys, and uh, we'll be calling you soon. Yeah, come out to Cali. <laughs> Roger that. We'll hopefully we'll come out and do a, a lot of one of these in person. Yeah. Roger that, guys. Look just now. Uh, I didn't thank you guys, but once again, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Malcolm, for for what you guys do. You guys rock. Have a beautiful night. Safe. Uh, s- Dream of sugar plums and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's all I ever dream of. Bye, you guys. Peace out. Right, bye, ciao.